Jay, how did you not lead with Puppet Heaven? <laughs> it's an underground puppet store called Puppet Heaven. What the you fuck? You just give everything to your own front, Austin. You're right. No, no, you're right. You're right. You made the right call. You you hit me first with the librarian, and I thought that that was just the best that it could be. And then immediately you showed me no. No, no, no. It gets so much better. If you drink two five-hour energies, is it ten hours of energy? Or you just super jacked for 2.5 hours <laughs> now now is that is that an idea or is that just like a rhetorical question i don't know it's this is one of those things that you can't really like reason out you know it's like only empirical studies can, can <laughs> of course you need to like objectively measure yeah, or at least, you know, I'm not going to be the monkey that they're shooting up into space on that one. Like, yeah. <laughs> somebody else can, can die on that hill. I like that as an alternative to the uh, the hamster metaphor. The guinea pig is an overused metaphor, so. Ah, space yeah. monkey. Yes. Gotta open the door. Oh, it's a guinea pig. <laughs> Did you it's legitimately not a hamster. think it's like. Yeah, science hamster, you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Austin, pick us pick us a path to go down, and we'll we'll go down that fork to start, and then see okay. where we veer from there. Okay. <clears throat> Tunnels. <laughs> Tunnels. <laughs> <laughs> I like the like the the Terminator <laughs> like dun, 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 tunnels <laughs> tunnels. Um, I choose tunnels. Yeah, so uh, coming at you hard and fast with uh, Crystal City tunnels update. Um, I've actually finally walked the full length of the Crystal City tunnel system now, which has to be like at least a mile from end to end. I feel like that's like one of those real life achievements. Right? That's how I felt out about it too. I, I'm just waiting for the little achievement unlocked thing to pop up in the right hand corner of my vision. Um, exactly. Well, whatever <laughs> alien is like piloting your body. <laughs> yeah. Got that. Yeah. And I don't know. I felt like much more accomplished about it than I should. Cause like there are maps you can see the extent of the system, but when you're walking it, it does not feel like any of those maps has any bearing on the actual, I don't know, layout or length of these tunnels because they just keep going. Um, but yeah, it, I, there's there's this um, little like satellite branch of the Arlington County Library just sequestered in the tunnel system that it seems like a cool idea in that it's just like a little place that you can hang out and like read a book and they have um you know all this stuff there for like this is a safe space this is an ideas space and kind of in this like commuters complex and i kind of want to go there and just hang out at some point but every time that i walk past it it's just like the librarian sitting there and 
I just, I don't, you know, when you're in a space with just one other person, I feel like you kind of have to interact with them. Yes, uh, you, you Like, you know, you go in and you're just like, hey, what's up? I'm here to hang out by myself, you know? And yeah. You are also here. <laughs> so I, I've never, there needs to be like a critical mass of people to where you cannot interact with people. <laughs> There's just never been that. Oh like, my god, like that's so true. If there so were like true. three people there, I'd be like, sweet, I'm gonna go hang out here and be by myself. <laughs> but if it's literally just me and the librarian, I have to be like, so how's your weekend going? Yeah, like, you enjoyed working here in this kind of booth, this like apartment-sized library that the county has decided to put here? <laughs> <laughs> befriend this mole man librarian yeah. <laughs> befriend the guardian of the underground books you know that's Learn clearly his secrets. the choice it's clearly the choice I've just never like every time I walk past it I'm like oh, not today you know all of the two times that I've walked past it mm-hmm. <laughs> once when I was lost in the tunnel system and now that I know where I am with my having you know charted the, the vast extent of its environs uh I know where this uh, particular quest marker lies, but I guess that's just a, a pending quest on my my avatar's to-do sheet is befriend yeah. Mole Man Librarian. Yeah, side quest is talk to the Guardian of the Underground Books <laughs> yeah. and learn his terrible secrets. I think that you should hit him with something really hard like right away. Like You should go in there and be like, what are your ideas? Mm. Yeah, this like, is an idea space. Give me space. an idea. Like, yeah. It, yeah, exactly. It's an idea space. This is what it is advertised to, to be doing. So, uh, so what ideas you got on offer? What you got exactly. on tap, barman? Exactly, and instantly, like, <laughs> I just think he's gonna like let out this big sigh, like, ah, like, oh, finally, and he's gonna pull out this like huge fucking binder full of ideas, and he's gonna just slap it on the desk, and he's gonna pull it open, and he's gonna leaf through, and he's gonna like slap his hand on a fresh idea and he's and it's gonna be it's gonna be something crazy like that you never thought of. Try this one on for size. Exactly, exactly. What if everybody had squid arms. <laughs> what if every exactly he's like he's like, you know five gum? What about six gum? Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> if you drink two five hour energies, is it ten hours of energy? Or are you just super jacked for two point five hours of energy? <laughs> <laughs> now, now is that is that an idea, or is that just like a rhetorical question? I don't know. It's this is one of those things that you can't really like reason out. <laughs> you know, it's like only empirical studies can can figure it out. <laughs> of course, you need to like objectively like, measure. Descartes sitting in his like sensory deprivation chamber is just pondering what happens when you drink two five hour energies. He's <laughs> <laughs> gonna like logic his way to solving that one. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only way that you can do it. The only way. Oh my god. Huh. That's a great question too. Huh. Yeah, one that will probably remain unsolved. At least I'm not gonna test it. <laughs> You know what, Jay? I kind of think you just fucking die. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. kind of think you but just like, have a heart attack. Any test where that's, you know, like, a possibility, 
<laughs> you know, especially when it's a, as dumb an idea, you know, for a goof like that. Like, eh, I think uh, I think we can leave this one unsolved. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's an okay one. Not for science, not to know. Really, there are some things that have to be outside of the scope of man's mind, um, or else everything will descend into chaos. Yeah, or at least you know I'm not gonna be the monkey that they're shooting up into space on that one. Like, yeah, <laughs> somebody else yeah. can can die on that hill. I like that as an alternative to the um, the hamster metaphor. Mm. Yeah, you know the monkey. The guinea pig is an overused metaphor. So, ah, guinea space pig. monkey. Yes, yeah, that's what we gotta go with. Oh. <sighs> It's a guinea pig. <laughs> Did it's you not legitimately think it's like, oh well, yeah, the science hamster, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I didn't. I just, oh man, oh, damn it. That's okay. That's we'll get back on this horse and ride. Okay. So you've gone through all of the tunnels and you found this strange tunnel library. Have you found any other tunnel secrets? Any bodies? Anything like that? No bodies. There's a post office also buried in the middle of the tunnels, which seems like the most inconvenient place to put it. It's so far away from the street. That is so strange. I feel like Crystal City is really trying to make this tunnel city happen. Yeah. And one wonders why. Uh, Yeah, like, a good third of it is abandoned. Like, there used to be shops there, and there aren't anymore. Um... And the shops that remain are all just very strange. There's one called Puppet Heaven. Oh, no! (laughs) That is the creepiest thing to walk past. (laughs) Because, you know, it's a store full of puppets. And also the name implies all these puppets have died and and live here now. (laughs) Oh, my God. Jay. How did you not lead with Puppet Heaven? (laughs) (laughs) It's an underground puppet store called Puppet Heaven. That's the best. That's the best thing I think I've heard in a long time. I can't just give everything to you up front, Austin. (laughs) You're right. No, no, you're right. You're right. You made the right call. You, you hit me first with the librarian, and I thought that that was just the best that it could be. (laughs) And then immediately you showed me no, 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 no. It gets so much better. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> and it's still open. <laughs> yeah. Puppet Heaven is one of the stores that is thriving. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> uh what's what's funny too is that like it's kinda in this corner off to the side. There's like this side path that I walk down all the time because that's how I get to the climbing gym. But it's like not on the beaten path of the main you know the established underground mall like this is the like you got to go out of your way kind of like it's it's kind of a zigzaggy path to everything else is like straight but they made this tunnel zigzaggy for whatever reason and all the signs uh are written in that annoying like weirdly medieval font on like <laughs> shields that are hanging outside the doors what? Uh, you know, the, like, ye old shop oh, with two shoot. P's and an E, yeah, like, that kind of font. Yeah, uh, I know that. Yeah, so, like, under these bright fluorescent lights and uh, 
very generic, like, 90s-looking tile floors. There are these sort of medieval ye old shop signs in front of places, one of which is Puppet Heaven, which is at the end of this strange alley. Uh, Yeah, they're also called the alley shops, too. Um, And, yeah, uh, as an advertisement for Puppet Heaven, (laughs) there's, like, a little display case on one wall, like, just earlier in the alley that has puppets in it and says puppet heaven and then but you're already in this alley it's just at the other end it's like puppet heaven also around i guess you know it's not like in the main area of the mall or anything like you have to have already started to go down this alley (laughs) (laughs) like it's just the strangest spot for uh, like (laughs) <laughs> advertising this oh, yeah. thing that's about a hundred feet away. <laughs> I think that it's probably because they had to pay like either nothing or next to nothing for that. <laughs> yeah, like the city was it like is an no otherwise losses. empty display case. Exactly. They're like puppet yeah. heaven. You want to put your puppets in there? We don't care. That's great. <laughs> Do it, puppet heaven. You don't understand. You are the. You are one of the few stores to have survived. this strange retail space so you can put whatever you want in there oh my god i love this i love puppet heaven i think it kind of makes a weird amount of sense too because it's like if you just have like a clothes store anybody Mm -hmm. will be like oh i am not a a, a filthy mole man i will go out into the sunlight and find an (laughs) h&m But if you have a puppet store that's, like, so niche that, like, people have to come to you. Like, if yeah. someone wants a puppet, they got to go to Puppet Heaven or yeah. one of Puppet Heaven's competitors. Yeah, Puppet Purgatory. Puppet Purgatory. <laughs> yes. Puppet Purgatory, which is A, a lot less friendly, and B, could be in a whole different part of town. So yeah. it's like... All of a sudden, you have this strange puppet dungeon called Puppet Heaven, and you have to go there. You just have to brave the tunnels for it. Oh, God. Oh, I'm going to have to go take pictures of this for, like, the show notes or something, because you got. I, I you don't know it. if I'm communicating how bizarre it is. <laughs> I, think you're doing, I think you're doing a pretty good job. Okay. <laughs> I, think, I think Puppet Heaven communicates how bizarre it is almost just by itself yeah. though i still definitely want pictures it, yeah. it when you tell me there's an underground store called puppet heaven i'm already bought in <laughs> <laughs> i'm already there you know I, i'm just thinking of like the fallout games and their post-apocalyptic dc with like the metro and i was like mm-hmm. man if bethesda studios only knew how strange the pre-apocalyptic <laughs> underground network of crystal city was things could have gotten so much weirder in that game oh my god could you that's an easy side quest going into (laughs) puppet heaven yeah yeah it's it's super man the underground tunnels are super interesting i can totally imagine like the meeting where a bunch of people from the city were like Guys, this is going to be so cool. People are going to love this. It's going to, you know, be air-conditioned and nice in the summer, and it's going to be, like, you know, super warm and uh, easy to navigate in the winter and all of this. 
And then you can just immediately still see how it's just not a good idea at all. No. Because why would you why would you ever need a little underground town underneath an above ground town that already exists? You're right. Underneath this above ground town which also has a bunch of vacant office buildings. So like <laughs> just just not enough people. There's not like the density of people for this to make any sort of sense. It's just always abandoned. It's always empty. There's yeah. never anyone in this convenient apartment-sized library that is just, like, well away from any street access or, you know, like, you'd have to, you have to go around, like, two or three corners before you get there. Like, it's... Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I... I Not even convenient. Not even convenient. (laughs) It's, yeah, I think these things happen a lot with cities, too, where, you know, there's, like, a a kind of a thing about cities where it's sort of just like this almost kind of spontaneous thing of how they, they really are where it's a city is essentially just where a bunch of people have chosen to set up shop, mm-hmm. you know? And at the same time, there's like this sort of way that you can organize and plan things in them and you kind of can set them up to how you want them to be, you know, if you're an administrator, but I think yeah. that a lot of times there's like a battle between that. Like China has that too. Like China famously has this battle now where there's tons of cities that they've set up because mm-hmm. they reasonably are like 20 some million people in a city is just too many. Like it's just mm-hmm. too much. This is impossible to manage. And so they're reasonably like, okay, we made we made a city over here. Go to this city over here and live there, please. And then everyone's like, no. Yeah. And I want to live there. Right. I want to live here. I want to live with the other like nineteen million nine hundred ninety nine thousand people in this city. Right. Yeah. I. It's one of those things that like we make fun of all the kind of absurd things that happen in like a command a, a command eco- ah, economy, uh, but uh, people are a lot less like self aware of just all these kind of ridiculous things, especially at the local level that happen in attempts at like planning in a capitalist economy too. And so you end up with like dumb underground malls in crystal city. Yeah. Just like ridiculous highway roundabouts or whatever else, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. For sure. There's an Auntie Anne's pretzel, uh, shop which is just like let you know that it's a mall uh like right yeah. on the right on the corner to go down the alley for the alley shops and when they're in full operation it's that like manufactured pretzel smell like the, the kind oh, of smell oh. that smells like it's coming out of a can of febreze that's labeled pretzel but not like from any like, baking <laughs> any real bread like doesn't make that smell. You yeah. Know? Like when you go into a subway and it's just that like Italian urban cheese smell that like no natural substance on the planet makes, but like whatever their bread is made out of makes when you heat it up. <laughs> and, you know, it's a small confined underground space so the smell is pretty strong like right on the corner and and i always react to it like i can tell that you want this smell to make me hungry 
but it doesn't. <laughs> like, I can tell that that's the reaction that you're going for. But, man, I just immediately, like, my body is like, what? No, no, I don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I know that feeling from pretty much, I think, every single airport, right? Yeah, like, yeah. With the Cinnabon. It's Cinnabon's the exact same. Yeah. yeah. And it's just nuts where it's like you you smell it and only if you have that desperation <laughs> hunger yeah. like that true deep real hunger where you need to eat are you going to get that that shit. <laughs> Otherwise there's just no way. It's there's there's really just no way. Yeah. Oh god, I know that feeling so well. It's just the more that we you talk about this this strange underground village, the more like almost kind of hypnotically sad it is, <laughs> and frankly, the more like I want to I want to see it. The more I just want to see this strange like mostly abandoned network of tunnels that that some people are still fighting for. <laughs> yeah, ever since uh, you took me on that pilgrimage to the Mall of America, I just mm. consider all other malls in comparison to this shopping mecca. Yes. And uh, I just really enjoy walking through this strange, like, decrepit underground dystopia <laughs> of, uh, of an attempt at a shopping center <laughs> that I live next to. Because there's also the Pentagon City Mall, like, very close by. <laughs> like, a pretty successful mall that is also, oh, uh, it's also, like, very explicitly catering to Chinese tourists now. Hmm. Like the other day I walked in and as you walk into the mall, there's a sign in just Chinese, like after you walk in the front door, I was like, wow, I never thought I would actually live in like Blade Runner, but this is kind (laughs) of what it feels. It feels like it's just very, huh? Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Uh, it's dude. It's really interesting to see. That's a that's a mad current in sci-fi because we 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 just have to we have to we have to come back to sci-fi at some point. Oh, but absolutely. <laughs> that's a mad current in sci-fi. The like constant like, oh yeah, the Asians have like caught up now, and <laughs> welcome to like a bunch of science being being in an Asian language. You know. Yeah. I always think it's interesting. It's you know it probably is too just because of how like alien it looks where you're like oh yeah that's a totally different alphabet and system than you know what is normal but i also feel like it's always that like weird american i don't know if it's like a fear yeah or no, if it's, it's it's definitely playing on some like deep-seated xenophobia in the west because like you only see uh like sci-fi or sorry, you only see like Chinese and East Asian languages in sci-fi where it's like in some context where like something has gone wrong or like the West has fallen mm. kind of thing. Like in the Blade Runner dystopia, like Los Angeles like clearly isn't working and it's like overpopulated. And also like none of the main characters are Asian. They're just sort of the, the like Asian yeah. people are just the backdrop to... <laughs> Like what's going on in the, uh, yeah, in the, in the story. Whereas in like Star Trek, everyone 
speaks English and everyone's got enough room and like the weather is nice on the planet, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. No, you're totally right. I didn't think about that, but it's absolutely true. I used to give Firefly a ton of crap for it. I mean, I still do, where mm -hmm. they have like the alliance and it's this yeah. thing where the US and China were like, what if we work together to just like subjugate the whole world? And, and they've a brighter future. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and they like shook hands on it and did it. And uh all throughout basically you see like random little bits of like um East Asian culture that's like not even really present in China today, but like was present a while ago, like courtesans <laughs> and shit. And yeah. like yeah. and you know, like, the terrorist roofs, which, I mean, do, granted, like, still exist and everything, but as does, like, just fucking modern, arch you know, architecture mm -hmm. of other styles. But, like, they would have those kind of things, and then they would never have any Asian person, like, in any position of note. Right. <laughs> or, like, use Chinese for anything other than, like, swearing to dodge censors. And it's like, huh, I, I don't... I don't know, dog. Like, I think I think it would go a little deeper than that <laughs> in terms of world building. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, so. some of those things are just kind of, like, sloppy world building. I think Firefly did it a little bit better than, uh, like, the original Blade Runner. I'm trying to think of, like, some other, uh, like, cyberpunk kind of stories. Because at least it's not, like, I don't know, it always felt like more of a backdrop and not kind of... It didn't have like the same kind of sinister connotations of like, yeah, this world is bad, and here's how you know yeah. it's bad. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. The there was the idea that like the alliance wasn't an, an entirely bad thing, or the universe or galaxy wasn't an entirely bad thing. Mm -hmm. So it didn't have the same the same um, cynicism to it, you mm -hmm. know. And I never really thought about applying that same kind of thing, that criticism that I'd applied to Firefly to. Um, to Blade Runner, but it is deserved. Blade Runner does do that, where it's like, why, why are there all, all, why are these Asian signs here, but there are no Asians here? <laughs> yeah, or all they ever do is serve the main character noodles. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's like, well, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, that's the one, the one Asian mm -hmm. dude, like the one extra. <laughs> yeah, and you think you think that like to have signs catering to this population, they would certainly need more like general wealth. That's an interesting one. Another interesting thing I was thinking of again uh, was this librarian. Okay. <laughs> because my mind has trouble turning away from him. Yeah. I was thinking that one one big thing that his notebook would be full of would be just all these ideas about mole men and underground societies. <laughs> You know, <laughs> life imitates art. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boy, does it. Boy, does it. Yeah, so I was definitely thinking about that. And, I, you know, I don't know what ideas necessarily there are to have about all of that, which is even more uh, why a conversation would be with him would be so intriguing. Because I'm sure that he could open my eyes to a lot of interesting ideas about underground life and how to make up for a lack of sun mm -hmm. and like vitamin D lamps and things. And then I also kind of thought about like the librarian and, and like this job and how this job interacts with his life. And like, if it's a volunteer position or if he, he is earnestly paid for this and then he like 
comes back to his um, loving family, and his wife is like, if his wife is like, how was your time in the tunnels? And the librarian just like sighs and shakes his head and says, lonely, <laughs> lonely. You know, and then he like sits under a vitamin D lamp for like an hour <laughs> before he's up enough to talk to anybody. Yeah. It, it, it certainly seems like the kind of job that would be very lonely or, I don't know, would be useful to have if you needed the time to do something else. You know, like <laughs> how Einstein worked in a patent office just to like pay the bills while he spent his time at work actually writing the theory of relativity. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe that's what he's doing. Maybe this yeah. guy's the next, like, he's not going to be thinking about what's above, right? Like, what's in space. <laughs> <laughs> his mind is really on what's below. It's just all in the tunnels. <laughs> it's, it's His mind is in the tunnels. And he's got a mad theory coming up about mole men and underground life. And it's going <laughs> to shock the world. All right. Well, uh, for future follow-up, I will go and interact with this person, whoever's on duty at the desk, <laughs> and uh, we'll see how the conversation goes when I bring up <laughs> mole people. <laughs> yes, good, Jay, good. <laughs> Let me know how this goes. I'm, I'm very excited. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah, you know, hopefully that librarian uh, is enjoying that job. I mean, it's probably pretty chill. Yeah, but maybe maybe he is just talking uh, to his wife about how much he just hopes that this this one dude with glasses who keeps walking by will come in and talk with him. <laughs> yeah, I I hope I'm not robbing someone of personal interaction. I don't know. I I sincerely doubt I played that critical of a role in anyone else's narrative. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure that it's that important. Yeah, I'm I'm the main character in everybody's story, not just mine. Yep, that's right. That's why your name's first in the the podcast list. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's like a Truman Show thing, you know. Like, <laughs> there's there are cameras on you. I'm I'm a I'm a paid actor. Yeah, well, that your life makes a lot more sense if it's all been some weird community theater art piece. <laughs> yeah, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I also really enjoy the idea of Puppet having a whole lot. Uh, and also the fact that the Auntie Anne's is nearby. So yeah. you sort of walk through this like pretzel smell hell before you're allowed to get to the Puppet Heaven. Right. And have you been, have you been into Puppet Heaven? Or have no, you just been like... I've walked by Puppet. I've never been brave enough to walk into Puppet Heaven because all the puppets are staring at you as you walk by. Like they're set up oh. in just rows and rows and rows. Uh, yeah <laughs> like I, it's it's a very well-stocked store let me let me say that like you can't see the walls because there are so many puppets on them hmm, so. i don't know you might die yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah again uh, i'll i'll go on a fact-finding mission i don't know how much i want to interact with the proprietors of puppet heaven that's really <laughs> fair that sounds pretty terrifying. That sounds like a place where like you go in and they have this they have this setup where they're pretty nice. They're like almost cloyingly nice and they're like 
buy a puppet, buy a puppet. Look at all these puppets that we have. Like, look at, look at them. They're so beautiful. Buy my beautiful puppets. And they're like, like kind of a little destitute and desperate. And then you, uh, you walk out and you're like, I don't want to buy a puppet. And you, you leave. And, um, if you show like the slightest sign of rudeness, they, they hit you with a sort of a strange puppet curse. Yeah. I I thought you were going to go with like, I am, you know, sent down a trap door into another system of tunnels below this one where oh, wow. the librarian is like, yep, that's him. And they're all there's this, <laughs> you know, underground community of mole people <laughs> that are dressed up as humans. But I have been sucked Venus flytrap like into the mystery of the tunnels that yeah. will now consume, you know, for, for my hubris in trying to discover the true nature of this, this strange honeypot. It mm-hmm. only entices certain types of people who want to pull at the thread of a mystery. Yeah. And for for that desire, I am now trapped. Right, like, like you I dig too deep. I must away in puppet creation <laughs> below puppet heaven. Exactly, in <laughs> puppet <Yeah>. hell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, it's like you you dug too deep, and now you're going to become a puppet. Yeah, and then they I, I too, am, am one of the ones that sitting on the walls, yeah. watching the the pedestrians go by. Yeah, you notice how all the puppets are like super lifelike, and then you realize <laughs> way too late the reason why. Oh, and then well, there's there's the plot of our next magical realism story. <laughs> oh yeah, a hundred percent. This is this is becoming a short story. See. And this, the I think like the act two is like that. I co I go there because I'm like, oh Jay hasn't you know talked to me at all about like <laughs> doing the next episode ever since he was talking about the follow up. Like what happened? And I you know I'm like I'm reaching out to to all of our friends in DC. I'm like what what's going on? Where's Jay? Where's Jay? And everyone's like we haven't seen him. Like we're super worried. And then I go there. I fly in, I go to the underground mall myself and I see like the, you know, there's this, there's this puppet that looks just like you and I have to like play it super cool. And it's like, it's super tense. Like they're staring at me. (laughs) They're inspecting my motives. They're like, what's this guy about? And I have to like play it super cool. And then I have to like buy your puppet and then I have to take it to perhaps another underground mall. I don't know (laughs) where exactly. I haven't worked that out, but another gypsy of some sort and restore your body man yeah that's so good it's even better because the underground mall is within walking distance of the airport so oh, you could shit. dramatically like get off the plane and like run over to puppet heaven oh my god i could i'm, I'm, I'm a stone's throw away from puppet heaven yeah okay this is great i you know I hope that like somehow by some cosmic chance that the the proprietors of Puppet Heaven are like big Wooshka fans. <laughs> you know, it is Australia's number one audio hosting platform. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. That's the audience I wanna reach. Oh my Oomaroo. god. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what it, oh man, would it be it would probably we'd probably lose people if we tried to do it in an Australian accent, right? <laughs> That's rude, <Good> right? Eye. <laughs> Good eye, mate. <laughs> like they hate me for that now, right? Yeah. I think it would be interesting though. 
because this is Australia's number one platform, <laughs> if we published an episode like in Australia time, <laughs> you know, sure. like, yeah, right, well, like pub, like five a.m., five a.m. Yeah, I could do it. I'm up that early. I guess so. <laughs> we need more. We need to to deepen our our social media presence in the Australian in the Anzac market. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I hadn't really considered that. I hadn't really <laughs> considered data mining my uh, hashtags for how relevant they are to an Australian audience. You know. Yeah. So uh, podcast expansion plans. We agree that Oceania is our is our main regional expansion. <laughs> focus. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's our main focus. Um, right after procuring that Flow Nays sponsorship. <laughs> Flow Nays yeah. got a bottle right next to me. Put two squirts that in each nostril, and let me tell you, you the insides of your nose are going to be feeling so strong. They're going to be like Dwayne the Rock Johnson. They're going to be able to resist all weather conditions, and that runny nose that you have is just going to be so so much less runny. It's going to be as dry as a desert. Rocky! <laughs> dry as the outback! <laughs> yes. Oh my god, Jay. Clearly we were meant to take this podcast in this direction. Yeah. Anyways, I think that this is this is a good time to uh, talk about something that I've wanted to talk about that I nearly forgot about. Go for it. Birthday! <laughs> Birthday! Oh yeah. There there is. This podcast has in fact a birthday boy. Oh. There's a birthday boy on this podcast right now. Mhm. Happy birthday, Jay. Thanks, Austin. Thanks, Austin. You're welcome. Have you received your um <laughs> 20 some uh birthday caning strikes? Uh I'm I'm sure I'll get them in the next few days. My my actual birthday is on uh, is on Thursday, so uh there's someone waiting around some corner is is going to brain me 26 times <laughs> as is tradition <laughs> as is tradition yeah this is also something i kind of think about occasionally which is just like you know different birthday rituals mm-hmm. that was something cuz in truth in truth i actually like had had been thinking about screaming the word birthday for like a, a good a good portion of yesterday and today um if I'm really being honest with you and the listeners, but I, I was kind of thinking like of if you had a thing where instead of having uh, like one big day of the year for your birthday, you had like each day of that month that was your birthday was like a small celebration. Mm-hmm. But then I realized that it would just be terrible. You know, uh, I worked with a woman who... I always feel awkward saying like man or woman for someone our age, but I know that like calling someone a girl is also kind of dismissive. But anyway, like uh, she's our same age, uh, who was all about having a birthday month, like legit Mm. the first day of March. She's like, it's my birthday month. And then just like kept it up, kept it up the whole month. She was super hyped that it was her birthday month. Wow. And like, was doing all kinds of shit for it. I was like just really excited and all about partying and also like having stuff done for her across 
the extent of her birthday month and like made it a thing, at least for her, you know? And uh, huh. she was also like hyped for other people's birthdays. She's like, oh, that's awesome. Like, aren't you so excited? I'm like, no, <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't, I don't like, I don't have that strong of an opinion about, you know, I enjoy getting down for a birthday, I guess, but no, man, I'm not, I'm not as jacked as you are about this. Jeez. Because, uh, you know, like since hers was March and mine, my birthday's at the end of February, she was just always like getting like in the preparatory phases for her birthday month, you know, when mm. when mine was rolling around. Anyway, like it's yeah. it's not like someone has put this into practice. That's all I'm saying. Well, kind of, because see, she has like she her her birthday is in March, right? Yeah. So she's taking all of March as like this time to celebrate her existence on this earth. Yeah. Um, but what I mean is like, say her birthday is like March 15th, uh, that the 15th of every month, oh. she would be like, this is my birthday. Right. Right. And I, and I was like, what if people gave you like a small little gift? Like there was like a culture that gave you like a small little gift on your birthday. God, that would be every so... Month inconvenient for everybody <laughs> right right well that was sort of what stopped me like right in my tracks because like it wouldn't take knowing that many people to wear just every day yes you, you you know you just have to go around with a bag of gifts on you and you're like uh oh, fuck it i guess this one's happy birthday <laughs> <laughs> like, wasn't planning yeah. on seeing you today jim but god damn it <laughs> oh boy yeah. here take this colorful shell that i collected recently right yeah no i thought about it because i was like well one the gifts that you would give would have to be like small and kind of shitty like they'd just be these little tchotchkes. And so then it's it's not only is it like it's inconvenient for the gift giver, it's also kind of inconvenient for the gift getter because yeah. all of a sudden you've got like every month you have like a bunch of people giving you all these shitty tchotchkes and you're like, I don't want this. I don't want this cluttering up my house. And yeah. so you probably throw it out. You know, I haven't heard the word tchotchkes in so long. But for my birthday celebration on Friday, we did karaoke, uh, where uh, Dylan sang um, Bought It on eBay by Weird Al, uh, <laughs> in which one of the lines was, I'll buy your tchotchkes. So anyway, now in the last like 48 hours, <laughs> I've heard the <laughs> word tchotchkes just a thousand percent more than I have over the previous year. I feel like that's how it happens. Yeah. Like it, it summons the word. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I hear that word a decent amount mm -hmm. because my family has always loved that word. It's a, it's and a I've, good Midwesternism, I think. It is. It's nice. I mean, it, and, it, and I think it artfully sort of captures what a tchotchke is, you know, like, it just, a tchotchke sounds like it should be called a tchotchke. Mm -hmm. And then I also just think that there's like a kind of a whimsical quality to it that uh, that my family had really latched on to. So we end up saying it quite a bit. And yeah, this, this, this going, going, circling back a little bit to, to the how bad this monthly birthday idea would be. 
you know, not only do you constantly just have a barrage of like random birthday things and like constantly are giving each other like these really small gifts that you don't really want. I feel like you would almost be like too reminded of your own existence. Yeah. It's more like a ticking clock then. Yeah. Uh, you know, once a year, which is already like a pretty frequent reminder, you know? Yeah. But, uh, it's long enough for you to not think about it in between, but yeah, every month you're just like, God, I just had one of these. <laughs> right. Yeah. It it hits you every single time that that you're gradually aging and dying. <laughs> yeah. That was that was sort of what derailed that hypothetical in my head because I was like, oh, I'm gonna hit Jay with this question, and then I realized it was very much like a chat pack question. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, it can only really go so far. Well, you could add it to your youth pastor questions, I guess. Exactly. Oh, that's exactly what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> I will. I will for when I eventually become a youth pastor. Yeah, well, so when we move to Oceania. <laughs> yes. Uh, you'll take. Next steps. <laughs> you'll become a evangelical youth minister. <laughs> Uh, yeah. this, this is all you know that's like step three of the plan yeah you know I've ruminated about many different ways that my life could go mm-hmm. uh, and I don't think I have ever even once ruminated about being an evangelical youth pastor in Australia <laughs> well so, so I believe that on the docket after discussing um, birthday and tunnel mm-hmm. There is sci-fi. There is sci-fi. I'm uh, I'm curious how things are going with uh, Three Body Problem. Pretty good. I've gotten to a pretty late point in the book where things have gotten pretty uh, pretty real. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because I think that what sort of I think it's weird in in general that I'm going to do it talk about this book in the way I'm going to talk about it because I'm immediately going to jump to a negative even though I like this book a lot. Uh, I'm I feel the same like way with with stuff that I like. Sorry. Yeah. Right. Well, no, and that's that's the thing because I feel like it's like when it's something that I like a decent amount or a pretty good amount, I think okay, there's so much like that's good that like this like two or three bad things almost like stick out more or I can like identify them more easily in three body problems case. I feel like, man, I just don't like science and engineering (laughs) nearly as much as the author does. (laughs) And sometimes I really, I really notice it because he'll go on for like, like pages uh, about this, this science idea or this engineering idea and about like all its implications. And I'm like, Oh boy, here we go. Time to learn the ins and out of radio transmitters. <laughs> and I'm kind of just like sitting there. And luckily he has a pretty good command of pacing. So he's not going to do this for like 10 pages. Like you'll get it for like, yeah, I don't know, maybe two is probably right. the longest that'll go on. And then he'll snap back to the story. But it's like sitting through those two pages. There have been times like that's where I'll skim. And I'll just start to skim through all the technical specifications and the stuff he's telling me about, like, wires to just get to whatever the implication is, whatever the main idea of this astrophysics lesson is, mm-hmm. you know, um, which is interesting and, like, comparatively different than, say, like, Hyperion, where I think that the guy in Hyperion is really concerned with different issues. And 
for the most part, they're issues that like I'm more interested in, like uh, societal or things like that. Except, except in the case of how much he fucking loved Keats. Yeah, uh, which I did skim through at times, or <laughs> sometimes just glaze over. Yeah, in um, I think the third book in the series for Three Body Problem, uh, there is like a whole chapter on they're going to send like a probe towards the Trisolarans, and they mm-hmm. need it to get there faster. So they're trying to come up with ways of accelerating uh an object really quickly like with current technology and so you you know you get the discussion of a bunch of different proposals then the one that they go with is a solar sail that uh they're setting up uh like nuclear bombs in a path to where they set it off behind the sail each time and it gradually (laughs) accelerates it faster and faster uh and uh, in order to get it up to a fraction of light speed, the mass that they're accelerating has to be super small. So there's just this discussion of like the thrust weight ratio and uh, how much they need to get the the mass that they're accelerating down to to where they can get it up to you know whatever ten percent of light speed. Uh, and so that is just a long digression that takes place in that book and also like they were going to try and send a person and then they can't send that much weight and so they're like we'll send them a brain <laughs> just <laughs> a brain <laughs> oh my god yeah yeah that seems that seems very sci-fi and i'm happy to you know i think that's what's interesting about three body problem too because it starts off from that point of kind of groundedness where it's like oh yeah i kind of get the idea of like you know general space travel and like nuclear weapons and stuff Mm -hmm. like that and then it's like okay now we're using that to launch a brain into space (laughs) (laughs) which is which is where i i buy in and where i really (laughs) trust the book too because i'm like okay we're gonna get to a point that's like gnarly at some point here yeah, absolutely. It it does always kind of like build up from that initial foundation to be like, and now from that, we can see <laughs> yeah. that the logical conclusion is that we're sending a brain to meet the aliens. <laughs> yep. You know, all the things that you were talking about and you were telling me that he was talking about of his sort of his sort of um, general like. I wouldn't say dis. Well, no, I think I might actually say disconcern with his characters does really radiate at times, and I think sometimes it's good because mm-hmm. there there are moments where it's like he's just so no bullshit and he's like so clean in his pacing and in his narrative because he just like doesn't waste any time on on certain character things. Like uh, there are lots of characters that other yeah. authors might have spent yeah. a good longer while fleshing out and making into their own beings and this guy is just like no they're not that crucial to the plot so like this is what they do and that's it and it's actually kind of good like it's actually kind of good for the pacing it keeps things moving but there are times where i'm just like oh this is just this is just another science man you know or like science woman too i mean he, you know, he doesn't struggle in that regard at all. But yeah. this is another science person. Yeah, it, there are times when his books, especially 
like just read like a history book, but like a really broad uh, sort yeah. of history textbook uh, where it's just like, and then this happened and then this, and this happened and this thing uh, drove these trends kind of thing. And then occasionally you'll zoom back in on the people. But I mean, the nice thing about his disconnectedness from his characters is like, he'll just kill people off. He's like, yeah, that person died. <laughs> like they were, they were put in a situation where they could not survive and they died. And now we're talking about other people because this is what happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, and that's exactly what I mean. He did. He does not mind uh, just moving on. You know, he doesn't mind just, okay, whatever with that, that person died or whatever. Yeah. He, uh, this he person's follows not through on like the consequences of, or whatever the implications of, whatever his thoughts are and there's no like deus ex machina of like and then the character was saved from the volcano at the last moment and it's like no and then uh the death squads came and yeah <laughs> they, they got shot <laughs> yep and later on humanity decided that death squads weren't in fashion anymore until the next time that people wanted to use death squads <laughs> like that's where i think some of the i don't know the chinese nature of his perspective comes in where he sees uh like liberal values as very sort of like situational mm. uh and and not kind of um i don't know like an ideal that gets striven towards but just like oh well there are times when it's convenient enough to where you can have like enough liberties and uh creature comforts and everything. But when the rubber meets the road, then like this totalitarian system just immediately emerges. Yeah. And, uh, and maybe there's some resistance to it, but it's never anything meaningful. There's no like meaningful, like human spirit to be rescued by that. It, it's just like, Nope, we, uh, we all need to get on one train right now. And anybody who's not is getting shot and that's how it's going here we go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's true. You know, it, that, that is, and that's sort of like, I think a dialogue that happens in general in like developing economies where it's mm -hmm. like, what's, you know, what's the path and is, and is the path like really supposed to be democratic, which is really just like a super heavy discussion, but it ends right. up being like, you know, India and China often representing one or the other side in kind of that discussion. Uh, I think almost more externally than within each country, but it does happen within the countries too, for sure. True. Yeah. Another thing that I thought was interesting, the further along that I've gotten. So who do you think is the protagonist of the book? Do you think it's the old woman or do you think it's um, Professor Wong? Uh, it's definitely Professor Wong. Oh, really? In the first book anyway, it's, it's definitely... Um... Professor Wong, the, the second and third books have different main characters from from that one. Like he's he's the protagonist in that uh, he is like on the right side of the narrative, whereas Professor Ye is more. Uh, it, she's like an antagonist that you get to see things from her perspective. Mm. Interesting. I kind of felt like they were either both like I felt like they they kind of shared the role in a way because 
like the traditional definition, right, is somebody that mm-hmm. drives the story forward. Mm-hmm. And you know that like you're fo- they're like driving the action and you're kind of following their path to action. And in that way, I, th- I think there's still, there is a solid argument for her being the protagonist because there's so much of the action that she drives and there's so much that like of the book that really centers around her and around what she's doing. I mean, that's true, but it's kind of in a backstory sense of like, there's a mystery that Professor Wong is trying to uncover and it's a lot of him trying to get to the center of it. And it turns out that she is at the middle of it. And then the bits that you uh, of the story that you see from her perspective are always in the past as far as like explaining how she has gotten to where she is now. I, it, like The story is kind of chronologically broken up weirdly in that half of it is taking place during the cultural revolution and half of it's taking place like basically modern day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, the perspective is a little bit weird, but uh, like her motivations are always, I don't know. It like, I, I took a, it as being like the present is what's like actually happening. Whereas the past has already happened and this is just uh, to like explain how she got to where she is now or like what she did. Um, Interesting. But it's, you know, you don't really see her story from her perspective, like through the whole of it. You just see like the, the main, you know, foundational bits of like, here's why like she sent this message and uh, how she set up this organization and stuff like that. Uh, but it's it's all from like Wong's perspective of like getting deeper and deeper into this conspiracy of like why scientists are being murdered. Hmm. And I think yeah, like why particle physics doesn't seem to make sense anymore. Yeah, well, huh? I do I do agree that like a lot of the core conceit and how the book brings you in is solving the strange mystery of what's going on with these scientists. But I feel like one of the things that really almost makes her a protagonist in my mind is the fact that you do really get her perspective and that the story really proceeds because of like the things that she does and has done. Like Wong is Wong's important for making the story proceed too, in a sense, but like the main like battle and the main principles that you explore and the main, uh, questions that you have to answer that the book asks you to answer really I think come up because uh, of her because of Professor Ye rather than Professor Wong Um, which is what makes me often think of her as as, as at least like being up there with him like at least both of them being protagonists he spends so much time showing you her perspective and spends so much time like showing you how she did things that to me, it really feels Mm. like uh, it's her story as well. Yeah. It's, she's definitely like one of the driving characters, you know, like very central, but I, I don't know. She's, she's clearly not like a hero uh, from my reading of the story. No, I don't think so either. Yeah, she's more of like a tragic figure, whereas I 
I think like Wong always has like the right motivations, but some of Shishin uh, Liu's like determinism uh, shows through in that uh, the two characters are from like two very different times and they're very much like products of their times. And so like when they talk and Ye explains herself to, to Wong, uh, it shows through like why she has had and like maintains this very negative view of humanity mm. uh, despite sort of the progress that Wong has grown up around. Uh, and this kind of like hopeful but uncertain view that he has of the future, whereas she's just got this overridingly negative and pessimistic uh, disposition, I guess. So in that, we also know from Liu, since he says it, you know, you could interchange these people with pretty much anybody. Uh, it's like them being you know, having the names that they have and, like, the, the backstories that they have uh, isn't really so much important to them as individuals, but more of, like, two generations in general talking to each other. And then one of the sort of, I don't know, subgroups of this older generation is uh, Yez that came out of it saying humanity doesn't deserve to continue because of... And like I can, and I know this because of the things that I've witnessed and experienced <laughs> during my time on Earth. Uh, whereas yeah. um, Wong hasn't experienced any of that, uh, and it's not that he's like inherently more right about what humanity is or isn't. It's just like his what he's seen of humanity is very different. In the sense of if you're asking like who the hero of the story is, right? Mm -hmm. I think that you have to say like that it's Wong mm. and um, uh, Dasher, I think his name mm. is, the detective that he works with as well. Oh, yeah. You know, like... Big I think she. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think those are the, the two guys that you look at as like um, your heroes, right, that are mm. going to solve the main dilemma. And I think if you look at protagonists from that sense, then that's, you know, they're, they're pretty solidly the protagonists. But I think when you look at it from the sense of like driving the action and creating the story and like what the who the narrative is really about, I actually think it's that she's a bigger protagonist than um, Professor Wong is even. Mm -hmm. uh, though I think Professor Wong definitely like is sort of that co-protagonist in there too. It was just interesting because I remember reading about her the start of like he opens the book with her, her story and I was kind of like, Oh well, what's this about? What are, what are we getting at here? And then we left her for like a good long while, yeah. And it was really all about like Professor Wong, and then like you start to return to her, and again Professor Wong is like way in the backseat, you know. Uh, so it becomes a very interesting story in terms of like who who you're supposed to be like following and what you're who you're supposed to be interested in and it also i think really does get back to how much he's just like yeah my characters are just for the ideas and for the plot like they're the vehicles for that because it really is much more like you're saying two generations battling like pessimism and optimism battling and 
uh, just different viewpoints of humanity battling rather than really like these these two characters battling because the author's willing to like be like, oh yeah, forget about that other character that I was telling you about for a hundred pages. Now it's right. about this one. Right. Yeah, it's it's definitely more sort of, I don't know, like a Socratic stand-in of like, we're going to have yeah. these two worldviews go against each other and then they've got to be personified by these two like very intellectual people. Mm-hmm. It's like that, like we were saying of the classic sci-fi of these, <laughs> these, these like two intellectual forces meeting together and being like, no, it's this thing, no, it's that thing, and then, you know, like one wins or loses or whatever, based off of what the author believes it is. Yeah, though I, I don't think like uh, Liu really, um, like moralizes that much. No, me neither. Uh, it, he 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 like follows through on the the consequences of you know whatever the sort of defining mentality of the time is uh and especially as he gets like more speculative in sort of the the future books he's he's just like yeah and because of uh these trends like men in the future dress super effeminately (laughs) and it's just like oh okay (laughs) but um it is much more of like people are always kind of defined by their situation and aren't like defining it even not that the character's choices don't matter but they're often there is kind of a deterministic element to it of Mm -hmm. these types of people will be created by the era that they live in uh yeah and then uh like later on in the books one big sort of cleavage in society is because people can go into hibernation and and have uh be like cryogenically preserved and woken up later you have people from multiple different eras like existing simultaneously and so there are all these different sets of moral values or that like they know that they need to retain like certain bits of expertise or like ideological fortitude (laughs) that they're not going to have in the future and so they like freeze these political officers from the PLA to be woken up for like the battle in the future. And then they wake them up and teach them how future technologies work and put them in charge of ships because they know that the the officers of the current uh, era won't like sacrifice their men, uh, you know, <laughs> in, in like a suicidal battle. But these old school officers from from an earlier era would (laughs) oh my gosh that's wild yeah (laughs) yeah and see that is that is super deterministic right like the Mm -hmm. idea that you wouldn't just have a a captain that might just defy whatever the the goings of the times were i think that's too like often the trend that more sciencey science fiction writers go towards um Mm -hmm. like reading i think reading some things from like um from Hyperion, it felt a lot more individualistic, right? Like even the yeah. main console's narrative is sort of like this narrative of this big resistance kind of thing that right. he's put up against a society uh, that's much, much bigger than him and all that. And, you know, as opposed to, and he was in, like, for reference, Dan Simmons was an English teacher and obviously very much about like poetry and literature mm-hmm. and all that. And then comparatively, you know, when you get to some of these like, bigger sciencey people you know i think there's that le- that element of okay this is this is the science behind people you know 
Uh, right. With with Susie and Liu, I think it's like very yeah. Like it's it's not it's weird because it's subtle, it's not overt, but it's definitely there. You know? Like, yeah, it's definitely, definitely pervasive. Really yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Pervasive. Pervasive is a great word for it. Um, yeah, for sure. It's a it's a super interesting book to read for that though. Uh, because of how 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 pervasive and how consistent he is with like his idea of the world, and at the same time, like you said, how he has that, but he's not like super super moralizing, and constantly just hitting you over the head with what he thinks is the case. No, he doesn't say like which one he thinks is better. He's just like, yeah, these people are different because they're from different times and they've had different experiences. Yeah, uh, and that's just the case. <laughs> That's just it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like he doesn't even really ever stop to make an argument, you know, or have a character monologue an argument for why humanity like deserves to be saved, you know, mm-hmm. um, or at least no more so than he stops to make arguments for why humanity deserves to be destroyed, frankly. And, yeah. you know, it's interesting in that yeah, I think a lot of other authors would have done that. And it definitely benefits from him not doing it. I think that I should get going. Happy birthday, Jay. Thanks Happy so birthday. much, Austin. You know, I think uh, that you will be receiving shortly the 12 small tchotchkes that I haven't been able to give to you in person. Oh, that I would have gotten across the year? Yeah, exactly. They're all going to arrive in this one day. Okay, well, I'll, I'll write a song very, like, 12 Days of Christmas as <laughs> about them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good because they each kind of gradually um uh you know decrease in numerical value. So <laughs> that actually works out perfectly. Oh, it's a nice like inverted pyramid. On the first day I got 12 and on the yeah. last day <laughs> I got a note. <laughs> Ex- yeah, it's yeah. exactly, exactly because I kind of wanted to innovate on the format. So mm. Okay. <laughs> All right, Jay. Well, I'll see you next time. Yeah, sounds good. See you then.